Hey everyone, welcome back to the arena. I'm MD, joined by Matt over there, and once again, an awesome special guest that we'll get into. But before we start the conversation, want to show love and appreciation to those who continue to show it back with the following. What's going on, guys? Uh, Matt here, obviously. So another very cool guest that I'm very excited to have this conversation with. Uh, this is Sarah Rose. Sarah is uh, works at an advertising agency now, but was a volleyball player, a Division One volleyball player at the University of Marquette, or is it Marquette University? Marquette University. <laughs> Marquette University, and the Golden Eagles, right? Oh yeah. Golden Eagles, um, and actually has a really, really uh, inspiring story. Sarah uh, battled and and beat cancer, and and that's kind of what we want to focus on here today. And so, uh, without further ado, Sarah, why don't you just provide a background of who you are, maybe like very high level, uh, the strain of cancer you had, and, and kind of just educate like, actually ourselves and our listeners. Yeah, um, I'm Sarah. I'm 24 years old. I work in an advertising agency and live in the city. Um, I'm a retired Division One athlete, I like to say, and I'm a cancer survivor. I was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, which is a type of bone cancer, um, in September of 2020. So I was 21 years old, and um, it's actually a pediatric strain of cancer, so um, we'll probably get into more detail about this later, but I was treated at a children's hospital because of the type of cancer that I had. And um, I had, the tumor was on my spine, so that's what made it the bone cancer. And I am happy to say that I'm two years cancer-free. Um, I yeah, just got some clear scans back, and it's a huge milestone for me. And I'm excited to talk about the journey that I went on and all the highs and lows and everything in between. Yeah, so two years, um, is that like an inflection point? Is that a common milestone? What's significant about two years beyond just obviously being cancer-free? Yeah, um, so with Ewing sarcoma, in the first two years, it, there's a 75% reoccurrence rate, which is pretty high. Wow. Um, so once you make it past the two years, I honestly don't know the percentage, what it goes down to, but it's very, very low. So getting to the two years was a huge mark and something that I was looking forward to. And honestly, like the two years after cancer treatment and waiting to get to this point was almost as hard as going through treatment because it's just overthinking of will it reoccur, will it come back, like the I would get scans every three months so every time in between those three months it was kind of a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety and overthinking that. Um, yeah, how, how like were you were you ever caught up in like the numbers like the percentage like did you ever just get thrown numbers at you like here's the percentage after this month or you know when you got told like here's the percentage uh, you know like I, I feel like if I'm thinking about myself I would have so much anxiety over all these different like numbers like you said 75% chance of reoccurrence or a chance of reoccurrence within the first two years like how does just living with that you know how does that feel yeah it's definitely overwhelming and I tried in the beginning like People tell you don't Google anything. Yeah, I'll so try. I, I mean, I, I definitely tried, but that was the one thing. Even before I knew I was cancer-free, I googled that and looked it up because I was kind of hung up on that. Like once, because in treatment, you know, you're getting treatment, you know, you're getting better. Hopefully, in most cases, but in those two years when it's such a high percentage and I'm thinking of that number I, almost like every day it's running through my head I think it's just overwhelming and it can kind of take over all your other thoughts and everything else you have to do because for me I know like three months is a quick short period of time when you think about it and 
having to think about that each three months was a lot and I tried not to get hung up on the numbers but that was the only number that was really kind of on top of my mind all the time so I think making it this far was huge and now I feel like a weight lifted off my shoulders and there's no numbers running through my head and I feel like I also did a good job not looking it's too far into things obviously my doctors and the nurses and everyone was informing me on what was going on and all the different treatments and stuff but I tried to just take it one day at a time and not look too far into things and look into the numbers because I think you can get stuck in that and it can be like a spiral. Well I just wanted to one congratulate you I think it's awesome that you've gotten to the point you are today and also kudos to you for not getting too bogged down because I if, if I feel even the slightest symptom of anything I'm over there googling like what I possibly have and 99% of the time it's nothing so I can't even imagine put myself in your shoes but why don't we start well let's start let's backtrack a little bit so uh, maybe the first time you start having pains and, and I also want you to talk about just your thoughts because you're you're this is I think you're headed into your senior year of volleyball mm -hmm. Um, so you start having, like, maybe just describe the pains you're having and, like, any thoughts. Like, is cancer ever even, like, brought up in your head? It's like, this could, it could be this. Yeah, um, I think it's a good point. Growing up an athlete and being a Division One athlete, I never wanted to say I was hurt, never wanted to be in pain just because you didn't want to miss practice in fear of not playing in the next game or I didn't want to let my teammates down if I wasn't practicing so I was in pain so I think I always had that mindset of like pushing through pain and playing through it and just kind of sucking it up at some point but um so basically I was going into my senior year and my senior season and um I had I've had back pain problems like previously and my back started hurting and I didn't really think anything of it. I thought maybe this is just another episode, like it'll be gone in a couple days, like I'll be fine. And then it ended up getting a lot worse. So I'd say there was like a two week period I started with back pain and then my legs started having pain, like tingling, it, it, they felt like they were on fire, like really weird sensations. And then at one point, like parts of my legs were going numb and I was like, okay, I should probably say something now. And is, this, is this while you're like, playing volleyball or is this just like normal while you're just going through your day yeah so with volleyball we go in the summer and we start training and we weren't in like our regular practices but we had like workouts and open gyms and like a lighter load of practices I would say so I was going to practice I was in the gym I was lifting weights I was like running hills running on the path and I was like well just, I need to keep in shape like season's coming up and I think the pressure of being an athlete kind of pushed me to like push through the pain so I eventually told my trainer because I was even scared to tell him that I was having any pain that I was having these like weird things in my legs like weird feelings like I couldn't really sleep because I was in so much pain and it was hard to sit through class because I was also in summer school like I would go to class and I could barely sit there for the 50 minute lecture because it was hard to sit in a chair like I, anything made it hurt like there was nothing I could do to not be in pain and it just became so unbearable. I told my trainer, and there was a couple days where, you know, he, no one thinks, like you were saying, I never would have thought cancer. Like, you, I don't even think the worst in a lot of situations, so I never would have thought cancer. And I don't think an athletic trainer would think his 21-year-old, like, athlete was having, like, cancer symptoms. But after, like, a few days, he tried, like, heating, cupping, like, random 
things that trainers do for like normal pain. Um, we went to my team doctor and after like asking me a few questions, he took this like metal pokey instrument. I don't know what it was, but he asked me to close my eyes and he like poked different parts of my legs and he would ask, do you feel this? Like, can you feel this? And every time my answer was no. And I could tell when I opened my eyes that he was pretty concerned. And that was like the first time that whole process that I was starting to worry. And um, he ordered an MRI and um, like prescribed me some medicine for that night until they got like the MRI results. And I went immediately to go get the MRI. Um, and this kind of also made it worse, like the technician. I was in there, it was totally fine, just like thinking things would get better, I'd have my answer. Cause that was like a big thing too, like I just wanted to know what it was. So like, have you always been a pretty optimistic person then? Would you say like glass half full generally or glass half, like, half empty? <laughs> I would say glass half full and there's a lot of situations where I'm the negative person in the situation, but a lot of times I do think like the best and I don't try and think like what's the worst case scenario because I think that would just freak me out and I wouldn't be able to get it out of my head. Um, so once I started like the technician was like oh we just have to do a few more pictures like people started to like worry me then I kind of started freaking out so there was like two weeks where I was like oh I'll be fine like it's okay and then once like the medical professionals were kind of getting worried I started kind of being worried too. Are you are you Googling at this point? No. I would have been Googling. So my roommate, <laughs> she was my best friend, she she Googled, she told me she Googled this like, she told me a while after. She was like, I was Googling all your symptoms and like bone cancer came up, but she said she never would have thought that because there was like 10 other things listed. Mm -hmm. So I, I wasn't, because I know that's like a rabbit hole and you can just get lost in that, that would have been bad for me. And so I like went home, didn't have my MRI results, I like went home and I was hanging out with my friends because I was still trying to live like a normal college life even though I was in all this pain and had all these like worries and questions in my head at this point. But that night I was in so much pain and my doctor called me with the MRI results and originally they told me on the phone that it was lymphoma. So that like, I didn't even know, I just, when he said that it was just cancer, like that's the only thing that came into my head and I really couldn't like think of anything else. And I like after he said that, I can't tell you the rest of the conversation. I think I just like blacked out. And uh, I immediately like called my parents and all I could get out was like, I couldn't even speak. I just said like, I have cancer. Like I couldn't tell them anything. I couldn't give them any more detail. And obviously that I Marquette's like an hour and a half away from where I live. So, um, they're close, but like I wasn't home, so they, they drove up that night to be with me because they needed to like lay eyes on me almost, and um, I was obviously in so much pain and so much shock that I'm glad that they came up because it would have been hard to deal with by myself. And I'm just curious, not not to cut you off, but no, you're good. How, does, how does the doctor give that sort of <laughs> message, and how does he frame it? Is he, is it? is he framing it, or he or she framing it in... in an optimistic manner still or is it like a like what was the tone you sense and it sounds it says you sound like you said you blacked out but I'm just curious like how someone gives that type of news to someone in right yeah um it was definitely a scary phone call to have because it was like nine o'clock on a Friday night and I never thought I'd see like 
my doctor's phone number coming up on my phone. So I then at that point, I kind of knew it was going to be bad if he was giving me news at that point. So honestly, he like asked me a couple questions. I can't remember much, but he said it in like a calming way. And it made it seem like everything was going to be okay. And he never even said that, but the way he said it and the way he told me, like, it was almost like there is treatment that it is gonna be okay like it is curable like we'll figure things out and that gave me like enough obviously I freaked out and <laughs> there were a lot of tears like as soon as I hung up but it gave me enough to know that I would be okay if that makes sense yeah okay so then you your parents come up what yes next? So it kind of all happened really quick. Not the two weeks where I didn't tell anyone I was in pain, but I after... Mean, how, again, and then how did your parents react? You know, was, were yes. they... Who yeah. did you call? So it's actually a funny story. Both my parents were out. So I'm calling my mom because I, I would always call my mom first, no matter what it is, especially in this situation. So I'm calling my mom. She's not answering. I'm like, what the heck? I'm tracking them. I call my dad. He's not answering. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh. And then finally my dad picks up and they're in the car like coming home. They were out with their friends and they were like, oh, hey, like, what's up? And I was like, I have cancer, like screaming it. And like, that's all I could get out. And they were like, okay, we're coming right now. Like we're going to pack a bag. We're coming. And then luckily the doctor who was such a, like, he was the best human ever. Like I'm so grateful for him. He called my parents after he got off the phone with me and after I called them and he talked to them the whole way from like Chicago to Milwaukee and like answered any questions they had and Which told are them probably a hundred questions. Right. Like he told them like more details. Like to me our conversation was like two minutes. But I think that reassured them and obviously they were freaking out too, but then when they got to me they they had answers that I I couldn't ask him any questions when I got that phone call. I was like, Okay, like okay you just told me I have cancer like bye so I think it was good that they got to talk to him but on the phone with me they just immediately were like we're dropping everything we're coming we'll see you tonight like we're gonna figure this out like things will be okay and so then I kind of just waited for them to come pick me up and the next morning we had appointments to get like further testing and like um things done at the hospital so it kind of happened super quick I went to the hospital in Wisconsin and then I was there Saturday morning getting tests and like getting a bone biopsy which basically they like take part of the bone to like test the cancer to see if it was actually lymphoma or not um, and with that test and then like a genetic testing they found out that it was Ewing sarcoma so um, they, how is it is that a rare form of cancer is it it's pretty rare um, it's rare for an adult, I guess. I, not that I thought I was adult at that moment, but um, it's more common in kids. So that's why I was treated at a pediatric hospital, but it's pretty rare, I would say. And um, like, cause it's a bone cancer. So like it's either soft tissue bone or like in the bone. So there's like a lot of different types of sarcomas that you can get. Um, there's not one better than the other, I would say. So, uh, so what were reactions from like friends, from family, from teammates? What were some of like the more common reactions? Were there some reactions that were more helpful, like that for you to hear? Were there some reactions? I'm sure people were trying to be like, everything was done with good intentions, but that weren't maybe as helpful. 
Like yes. maybe there, I, I would imagine there's probably some like toxic positivity, if you will, like, okay, this, but you'll get through, you know, so I'm just curious, like the types of reactions you got from people and like what it did or didn't do for you. Yeah. Um, obviously like you hear from so many people when things like this happen and I'm so lucky. I feel like I had a really good support system, but there there definitely were like situations where I would get texts or people would reach out and it kind of did rub me the wrong way. And, um, can you give like an example? Like you don't have to give the name. No. Yeah. Um, and, and why it rubbed you the wrong way. Yeah. So I would say like a lot of times, which there's times where this comment is helpful and sometimes coming from a certain person, it can't be. A lot of people would say like, you're so strong. Like you're so strong, like all this stuff about being strong. And I kind of, wasn't mad about it, but I was kind of confused. Like, I don't really have another option. Like, I have to be strong, and that's like my only choice. It's like, be strong and fight this disease, or there's no other option. So a lot of times when people would be like, oh, you're so strong, like all this stuff, it kind of would just get annoying at some points. Like some people would tell me and it meant it was meaningful and made me feel better, but coming from certain people, it just, I was like confused about why they would say that because it's like anyone in this situation you you have to be strong like that's your only way through it and um other times I feel like people like my best friends and my teammates and my family like the best I would say reactions or ways they helped would just be like taking my mind off it almost like coming to hang out with me or picking me up and going to get ice cream or just like my friends were still in college. They were doing the normal thing. Like they'd call me and tell me what was going on. Like things like that where it's making me feel like I'm not going through treatment and I'm not a cancer patient. Like things like that were the most meaningful to me and I feel like I reacted the best too. That's, you know, you bring up something, you know, making you feel like you're not <clears throat> a cancer patient. In other words, like when something extraordinary happens to somebody, uh, it starts to almost become their identity. And like, did you notice that word had spread beyond like whatever circle maybe you tried to keep it within? Like, I, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't go to social media and start posting news about this. But yet people are finding out from word of mouth. And do you feel any sort of like, on top of what you're already going through, is there also just in the back or side of your mind that, there's now a social pressure around who I am as a person and how people will perceive me. Does any of that, or are you totally blocked off of that because you're so focused on what you have going on in your life? No, I think that was definitely a hard thing to go through because I, for the longest time, I was an athlete. I was a student athlete. Like, I had an identity, mm -hmm. and then out of the blue, that kind of got taken away from me, and I had my friends ahead. Like, everything seemed to be going good, and then... One day it's just like, I don't know who I am. And now I'm, instead of Sarah Rose Sunathy, like I'm Sarah Rose cancer patient. And that is like a hard thing to go through. Um, I did try it. I'm a very private person. And for a while it was just my family and my teammates and like close people to me that I told. And it's also hard like calling people and telling them this news, like from me even. So I did try and keep it like a close knit group for a while. But then, like, I was felt like I was hiding my life almost, and mm. I didn't want to have to do that for, I got treatment for 10 months. Like, I didn't want to be dark on social media for 10 months or have people finding out through other people because I think that's also, like, stories can get, like, misconstrued and, like, 
not that anything was wrong, like bad, but I just wanted people to know what was going on from me and not from other people. So I did post on social media, like eventually a couple months in, I think. And um, it actually like made me feel a lot better. I was so nervous to do it. I remember I made my friend like hit the post button because mm-hmm. I was scared that now people were gonna think of me different. And I think another thing that I hated was when people would kind of look at me and kind of give me like, oh, I feel bad for you and like look down on me almost and see me as a totally different person. That was hard for me because I feel like I had this like great life, great personality and all this stuff. And then now it's like people are like, oh, you're sick. Like, So you you wanted to take control of your identity and by posting this post, by sharing an update with the information or whatever you decided to share along with it, whatever context, you have... Uh, agency and control of what people will read and how they will then perceive the situation. At the same time, you probably want to be treated with normalcy because what you're going through is anything but normal. And so you don't want an overload of sympathy, but perhaps you just want somebody to give you an update on how the volleyball team is doing or to just treat you normally. Treat you like normally, right? And, and so yeah, how did you kind of balance that? Because I'm sure. I'm sure, you know, people wanted to share, you know, sympathy, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure you welcomed it to some extent, but at what point, is there a, a transition point when you're like, okay, now I just want to be treated normally, like enough with the I'm so sorry's, um, is there a point in time there? Yeah, I think it, definitely there is, I, I don't know when I hit that point, but it's nice in the beginning to hear people saying like, I'm so sorry, like, I wish this didn't happen to you, and it does get old at some point because it's like, well, now I'm five months in. Like, it's <laughs> happening. Like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. But I think also with that, I did want to be in control and not let the disease be in control. Like, I shaved my head. I didn't wait for my hair to fall out. Like, I wanted to be in as much control as I could be because it was, like, very regimented. Like, my chemo, my radiation, like, everything was all outlined. So... For me to be able to do, like, the little things and take control, like, how I told people that I had cancer, like, shaving my head, like, stuff like that, I feel like gave me, like, a little bit more power and made me feel a little bit better when I was not feeling my best. Like, I did feel like that helped boost my confidence and boost my, like, positivity, positivity in that situation. Yeah, like, what's your mindset, right? Because you're an athlete, and so... Athletes are conditioned to think certain ways. Is there anything of like the athletic mindset that you really attack this thing with? Like, I'm going to attack this. I'm going to attack this thing the way that I would any sort of competition in my life. What, how would you describe the mindset that you have post, you know, obviously processing what's going on? Now you're in the middle of treatment. You're attacking this thing. Um, yeah, what, what, what's that mindset? And I guess like to expand on that, did you ever have, which I, I'd be... I wouldn't blame you all if you did, but did you ever have like a victim, a victimhood, like a victimhood mentality? Like, why me? Like, you know, like very down, like, why does this have to happen to me? And did it ever flip to like, all right, well, this happened. I have no choice and I'm just going to deal with this head on. Like, how did your mindset to MD's point change if it did at all? Yeah, I think right when you hear the news, it's kind of like you said, why me? Like, what the heck? Like, I'm sure that was the first thing that came through my head. But through sports and I think just growing up, I feel like even when I'm like down and 
when I am at like my worst points, I know how to pick myself back up. And I would say that like majority of the treatment, even though it's a life-threatening disease, I never once let the thoughts of like death or what could happen, like any what ifs, I never let that like cross my mind. And there was times where I had like terrible, like negative thoughts, like I didn't think I'd make it through it all, or all this stuff, but I knew how to pick myself up and like kind of... How, how and how? I'm just like, how were you able to pick yourself up? Like yes. what, what's worked for you? So I think like when I was having like a rough day, which obviously happens when I'm feeling like in surrender mode, like, okay, you, you won, like I give up. I am able to kind of push those thoughts to the back of my mind. Like in situations, I feel like there's louder thoughts, like this sucks, like, I hate this, like, why, all these, like, negative thoughts, those are louder than, like, my quieter thoughts, I would say, that are, like, you're strong, like, you got this, like, you can push through, and, like, there's hope, there is positivity, like, letting those thoughts come to the front of my mind, and seeing, like, the progress that I am making, like, through each treatment made me be able to push the negative thoughts back farther and kind of get rid of them, and even though there there were times when I was definitely, like, not okay, like, very down, had, like, sad days, but there were so many more good days because I think I focused more on that hope, that positivity, and the people around me were picking me up, too, when I wasn't strong enough to pick myself up, and I think I was lucky for my support system. That was a huge part, too. My family, like, they're my rocks. Like, my siblings are my best friends. My parents are my best friends. Like, they... Even when I was down, like, they were able to pull pull me back up and say, like, you got this. Like, I think that was the first thing that I, like, said to myself besides, like, what the heck. Was, like, I can do this. Like, I can do hard things even though some days it, like, might seem like I can't. Like, sometimes I think the biggest challenges, like, become the, like, biggest blessings because I've learned so much from this experience. So, like, kind of looking at it in that perspective, too. We're going to get into that. You know, I want to pick your brain now on how gratitude um, has a, a relationship in your life now. Um, something that somebody had said, you know, because you have these internal thoughts that have really helped you. Is there something that somebody had said on the external? Was like, is there a mentor that you gravitated towards? And I'm curious, like, what was the most helpful, maybe piece of advice or um, anything that somebody on the external had delivered to you that helped you carry through? Honestly, I can't think of much like along with the no googling I feel like I didn't really like follow a lot of like mm. cancer pages or people with cancer because in My perspective like everyone's everyone's journey is different Like if even if they had the exact same cancer as me like everything is so personal and different that I'm dealing with things like way different than like maybe you or anybody else would so I feel like it's hard to compare and even though like comparison is like a huge thing right now like that's why I didn't want to like compare myself to people because I knew that like my journey was how I was gonna make it and like it wouldn't matter how other people went through it or how they did it like this was my fight to fight. So what was I, I want to ask you about well, I guess maybe a couple things, but maybe to start, just like, what was the lowest point? Was it when you were initially told, you know, initially diagnosed? And then also on the flip side, like, what was the highest point? Which I have a guess of what it was, but like, you tell me, like, I'm just curious, yeah. the highs and the lows, like, talk to us about when you were kind of at rock bottom and kind of when you were at the top of the top. Yeah, I would say definitely 
in the beginning I was in rock bottom but I was also just in like a blur so I can't even say that that was the lowest I would say though like a few days before I shaved my head I was very very sad like maybe the saddest I had been because not that I was sad about my hair like I knew it would grow back it's fine but it was just kind of when you think of cancer you think of like a bald person yeah, yeah. and like that's what movies tv shows like the media that's what they show you so I knew like once I shaved my head like I was gonna be that person and like we talked about earlier like, I was piece. gonna be that cancer patient so that was very hard for me but then on the flip the day I shaved my head was probably like one of the happiest besides finding out my cancer was gone like one of the happiest days because I knew like I, w I was taking control and like it was done with like it was over and that was like a big piece of like the cancer journey was like getting my hair going away so I feel like that was a huge moment for me and my family was inside the house and like I can, I can bring the drama, so I think they were all, like, worried I'd come back inside because I was shaving my head in the garage, like, crying, like, very upset, and I came back in with, like, the biggest smile on my face because I was so happy to be, like, done with that, and just, like, my hair was gone, like, that piece because it was, like, hurting, like, it was just, like, a big thing for me to, like, that piece was huge. It sounds like because you had, so there was a lot of anxiety around the idea of having your head shaved mm -hmm. and, like, the identity, like, you know, the fact that when you're quote unquote labeled a cancer patient and then once you actually did it you're like nothing's changed like I'm still who I am and that was probably very liberating for you in my guess yes exactly like I felt like I was still the same like, person like that's not so bad like I'm yes. still me yeah and I think it's like the people that still treated me like the same Sarah as before like those were my like biggest pores and people that I wanted reaching out to me and like the people that were kind of like oh wow you're like you're sick now like things are different that that wasn't what I needed and that those type of people like I knew weren't like gonna be the best in that time period like I didn't need those people in my life I didn't need like not that they were bringing negativity because they were trying to be positive they were trying to be nice but I think I was able to kind of figure out like who was actually going to be there for me and like who my support system was what is what is everyday life you know first of all how long is the treatment journey yeah so I was I got chemo for 10 months and I did 31 sessions of radiation so 10 months. Yeah. You know, you're still maybe going to the local Starbucks and getting a coffee or maybe still going out and running an errand and you're, you're still seeing everyday life. Do you run into people complaining about spilled milk, you know, figure of speech? And mm -hmm. does that hit you a little bit differently now? Because you're probably in a mindset of like, how dare you complain about something so minuscule with what I have going on? And does it totally reshape or change your perception of what you ought to be grateful for. Take us through some of that, you know, everyday life of just observing other people who are not going through what you're going through. Yeah, um, I think that's a huge thing. A lot of my friends, they would feel like they couldn't like complain about things to me because <laughs> they were like, you're getting chemo and radiation and I'm mad about something that happened today, like something dumb. But I, I do think now like, when people complain, I'm like, there's so much worse stuff to, like, be complaining about or be upset about. And I even catch myself sometimes now, like, mad about something. And I'm like, okay, like, think back on what happened the past two years. Like, that's okay. Like, there's, it's, like, you have to look at the bigger picture. And um, I think now I'm just, like, so grateful and so thankful for, like, my health and, like, the little things. And I've 
went like shifted into a mindset of like I get to do this like I stuff I don't want to do like I get to do it because maybe I wouldn't have been able to if I didn't like fight and survive this like disease like I wouldn't have been able to do it so like I think looking at things and more of like I I can do it like it's a good thing even though it might not be like the, my most favorite thing to do like it's I'm still like living the normal life and doing things that maybe I used to complain about so are you, uh, are you, would you say you're great, like, I, I, I would imagine it's something you never want to go through again, you wouldn't wish anyone, any, we wouldn't want anyone else to go through it either, but are you grateful for just the journey and because it's allowed you to, what it sounds like, have a newfound sense of gratitude, of appreciation for the little things, like, are you, it sounds like you're able, because I think some people go through thing, go through something and they don't really, they're not able to kind of get to the other side. And then um, they kind of get stuck where it sounds like obviously you, you're a cancer survivor, you beat it, uh, you were super strong the whole time, and now you're telling us you're grateful that you're able to do all these little things. So, like, are you grateful for the journey? Um, or would you, if you could take it back, would you just never go, would you have never done it? Yeah, I think... It's a hard question. It is, because it sucked and it was horrible, but it definitely made me who I am today, and I think like the highs and the lows and everything else like shaped me into who I am and how I see life now and how I see other people and um things have definitely like shifted and I am different than I think I would have been if I didn't go through this and I think I'm lucky like I've learned so many lessons and it's made me a better person I'd like to think um but it is like very life-changing and something that I think I I am grateful for. Maybe if you asked me like during or right after, mm -hmm. I'd be like, no, absolutely not. But now that I am two years out, like I can look back on it and say like, I've learned so much and, and I am so grateful for even the little things all the time because you really never know. How do you, um, so how does, I, oh, first you, you haven't talked about the high. We talked about the low, oh, yeah, the, the high. high. And if it is getting told that, you know, your cans are free. Like, how does the doctor deliver it? Just talk through that whole process. Like, I'm just curious what that looks like. Yeah, so once, in the beginning, they, like, tell you your treatment plan, and um, as long as things stay, like, on the course, like, I always knew it was going to be, like, nine, ten months. So I had kept getting clear scans, because you get scans every three months during treatment, too. So I kept getting clear scans, and once I knew, like, the end was near, I knew that... I was going to get my last chemo, like, it, I was starting to experience all my lasts, and that was exciting, like, my last radiation session, like, last, I would stay in the hospital, like, my last overnight stay, and those were, like, really good moments. Can and you just give me, like, sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off, no, but I'm just, okay. like, thinking so, what are, what, give me some, emo like, can you label any emotions, like, give me some emotions when you're finding these things out, like, last chemo session, like. How would you describe yeah, it? Like, Are they telling you? Like, do you, you, you know that this is mm -hmm. your life? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would just say, like, huge sense of relief. Like, weight lifted off my shoulders, and I was so happy. Like, but also it kind of felt, like, surreal. Like, I was like, eh, is it? Yeah, like, like you like, don't want to, like, get too ahead of yourself, kind of? Yes, and I, I didn't think I was superstitious, but I'm very superstitious now. Like, I wouldn't let people, like, say congrats, like, before I knew, like... They knew I had my scans, and they'd be like, oh, like, congrats. I was like, I don't get my results till tomorrow. Like, don't talk to me. Like, I was very, like, superstitious about things like that, but I was 
like so excited to be like checking these things off and knowing that I was coming to the end but it almost felt like fake like it wasn't actually happening and I think part of the problem was I feel like I got into like a routine like I knew when I was getting this chemo I knew when I was doing this like the appointments and everything kind of it started to become normal which then was hard to say like okay cancer treatment isn't normal life like I am gonna be back to a normal human being after this like then going back to like no identity like okay now I'm not a cancer patient like who am I now and trying to figure out like what my next life steps were gonna be so that was kind of overwhelming and I kind of felt like a pressure at that point too because then it was like okay now that you're done with treatment like life should be back to normal which definitely is not the case like things take time and like it's longer than just the 10 months like so I think that was really hard and I felt like I put a pressure on myself to like be a normal human being after that like and just go back to life like nothing had happened so, so who is Sarah post journey <laughs> I know deep question um versus who Sarah would have been having never been a part of that journey yeah I think so in high school and like the beginning of college I feel like I had never experienced anything like that horrible like where my friends had had these life experiences that like really shaped them to, into who they are like I feel like I had a pretty lucky life in, in until that point and then I realized like how much you can learn from bad experiences so I think like if I never went through this like I wouldn't look at life the same like I think I'd treat my friends differently I like talk to my family differently I'm nicer to people I see on the street like just stuff like the little things I'm grateful for and I think mean more to me even just like seeing someone I haven't seen in a while like I would have been like oh okay like whatever but now it means something to me and I think everything is more meaningful because of what I've gone through and before I would have taken things for granted and just been like okay like that's normal life but now even when little things happen I'm like happy about it and it has more like purpose I would say did you have you developed a sense of purpose um and not to say that that helped or didn't help but do you feel like you've identified a purpose in your life today honestly no not yet but I think like the grieving process is different for everybody and it like might take longer for me to kind of come to terms with this and fully understand what happened and why it happened and um I don't think I've like fully become who I am yet and I think this is a big piece of it but I'm still like growing still learning every day so I don't know if I'm like fully have come into myself and figured everything out and like come come to terms with it what about life goals? You know, because, you know, obviously through your 10-month journey, you have to put a pause perhaps on progress towards those life ambitions. Um, but when you're able to then restart, you know, do you reshape your goals at any point? Do you set any new goals? Do the goals remain the same and you just restart your process towards those? What are those life goals, if any? And, and before that, sorry, not but on the purpose piece, I, I think you're well on your way because I remember when we had our initial phone call, you had said to me, if you would ask me maybe six months ago, I don't think I would have come on. Like, I wasn't ready to do that yet. And, but today, like, I want to do this because not only am I ready, but because I want to, if there's, you know, someone's listening that's also battling cancer, like, this might help them. So I think 
what you went through was about as good of a building block as you're going to have in terms of finding that purpose. And just that little conversation that we had showed me that, at least from my experience, that you're like, you're, you're heading that direction. Thanks. That makes me feel good. Um, yeah, I do feel like I've gotten like more comfortable talking about it. I like said before, I'm very private and I like to just handle things by myself. And I feel like when I'm telling people in the beginning, I felt like when I would tell people about what I was going through in my story, I was kind of like being a weight on their shoulders and kind of not, I don't know how to say, like I felt like bad for telling them. So I think now I've realized like I can share my story and even if it helps one, two people, like that's great. Like that's the goal because I don't want anyone to have to like go through this or feel a certain like way. And if I can say something that reaches them and makes them feel better at some point in their life, even if they're not going through cancer, like I think that's huge and it like makes me feel better too and kind of makes everything that I went through worth it. Yeah, and sorry, you can go back to this question on the goals. I just wanted to. Yeah, I like, don't have crazy life goals. I feel like once I was diagnosed, like everything looking in the future was like thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. I was still in school, so I finished my undergrad during treatment, and then I also got my master's during treatment. So like I was still achieving things that I wanted to, um, but. As far as like what I see in my life in like five, ten years, I have no clue. I just am hoping like healthy, happy life. And I think it's, I've never really had like concrete goals in my life. So I think just kind of living it one day at a time and like whatever comes and whatever's inspiring me, like that's what I'm going to go for. And I know now that like I can achieve anything that I put my mind to. Like I proved that to myself and I think that will help me once I do have these goals in mind, like I can do it. So um, just talk a little bit about, because if I remember correctly, you, you played in the last volleyball game. Yes. Talk about that experience. Yeah, so my Marquette was like a huge, huge part of like every step of my treatment. They were so supportive and um, the whole athletic department, so all the teams, they had like a gold for Sarah weekend and all the teams wore gold jerseys or like shoelaces or ribbons whatever and um, for the gold volleyball game I actually got to serve the first point and the other team let me get an ace which was so crazy <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> they had to agree and then we had to miss the next serve but um, <laughs> it was like a really like it was the probably that might be my high like well that's what I started question. to think about I was like well for sure it'll be when you got the news that you uh, beat cancer, but then I thought about that moment. I'm like, that actually might have beat it. Yeah, that was, well, first I didn't think I'd be able to get the ball over the net, and I've been playing volleyball since I was like five years old, so like that was crazy. I, it like, again, I like blacked out. It felt like so surreal, and it made me feel normal again and made me feel like I was back to my old self, but I also had this like new outlook, like, I, it was like my two selves meeting in one moment and I like served the ball and like everyone cheered. It was so crazy, especially because I never knew my last volleyball practice, my last volleyball game was going to be my last. So to have like one more opportunity just like meant the world to me. And I'm like so grateful that I had that chance and that like my coaches and team let me do that. It just like really was such a great moment and that probably is my high this is this is while you're doing treatment. yes yeah, so this is during treatment um why gold 
Gold is Ewing sarcoma cancer color, mm. and it was in February, which is Childhood Cancer Month. So they like raised a lot of money and um, donated to a research foundation, and it was really cool to be like part of that and kind of be like the driver of all the like activities on campus. And um, I was so lucky to be like that supported by my school, and they still made me feel like I was a part of the team, even though I wasn't there at the games the practices like they would zoom me in on things or they'd call me on the bus and try and include me as much as they could and then once like the whole university was involved like it's it was crazy to have like everyone wrap their arms around me essentially and kind of like take care of me and support me in that way what would you tell anyone that's you know battling cancer right now like what, what would you say to them yeah that's tough um i would just say that like even in the lowest moments like you can come out on top and like the disease isn't your identity like you are more than just cancer or whatever type of cancer you have you're more than that and like tr just try and stay true to yourself and find people that will support you and who are going to be there for you and that you can lean on because that's a huge part of it. How do you uh, view challenges today? Um, just any challenge in life, do you, do you look back and you're like, well, if I can do that, then I can do anything? And just yes. how has that helped you face other challenges, maybe specifically? Yeah, I can't think of anything super specific, but I think when things come up in life, like I am like, oh, I can do that. that that's easy compared to what I've gone through. And um, I guess I would say like I, it took me a while to get a job after I finished school and during that time I was kind of like down on myself and like thinking negatively about like everything that was going on and I think I was able to like even in that situation push through because it was like I can get a job like I beat cancer I can I can do these hard things because I've proved to myself that I can and even if I can't there's going to be situations where people are going to help me get through it even if I can't do it by myself and I think now like when I come up to challenges like I'm not scared or I don't have as much anxiety as I used to about things before because I know I can do it. I think that's a really strong tool that we actually had a therapist on uh, a couple days ago and she had mentioned towards the end of the show that I forgot what the tactic was for specifically, but it's basically to show our show to ourselves because we all we always we don't give ourselves enough credit. We're so much stronger than we we think we are, mm -hmm. and so she always recommends to people like think about when you overcame something very strong, like very tough, like your biggest challenge that you overcame it. Whenever you're struggling to like do something, you're having self doubt. Put yourself back in your shoes and think about what you did. And that will often help you realize just how strong you are because we, we never give ourselves enough credit. So I think that's exactly what you're doing inadvertently. Yes, I think that's a huge part because I I like hate getting compliments. I like that that's like the worst thing ever. So I think I, and I'm not a huge like journaler. I don't really write things down, but there I did have like a few notes on my phone from like the beginning of treatment and it, it was I was basically just telling myself like even though like I have this great support system and I have all these people around me like. I'm the one that's getting the chemo, I'm the one in the radiation tube, like, I'm the one that's fighting this disease, and, like, I beat it, even though, like, a lot of people helped me along the way, like, I did it, and, like, I 
it's hard for me to say that. Like, I, I don't think I've accepted that, but it is true. Like, we are stronger than we think, and that that just shows that we, like, can do things that come up in life, and you can get past it, even if it takes a while, or even if there's, like, ups and downs through the process. Like, in the end, like, you can come out on top. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I... I... I resonate with that a lot for a totally different reason. Obviously, you know, for me, therapy and, you know, I was so thankful when I was able to work through what I needed to work through to my therapist. You know, I was, thank you so much. Thank you, this and that. Like, you've been amazing. And she was like, you know, I'm I'm glad I've been able to help you. But just remember, you're the one doing the work. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like, we can get all the support in the world. But if we're not the, actually doing it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. So, like, I, I think you should be giving yourself all the credit that you, mm-hmm. you're saying is hard to give because... You are the one that had to to ultimately do it. Yeah, and I think it's hard to shift into that mindset because it's like, well, I'm getting this medication. Like, it's killing the cancer, but, like, no, like, I'm doing it. Like, it's weird to give yourself that validation, and sometimes I feel like people or like, I might think, like, oh, it's cocky or, like, that sort of situation, but I don't think it is because in certain situations, like, you can have that, like, sense of confidence. Yeah, it's empowering. Uh, did you have anything else you want to ask before we hop into the rapid fire? All right. Well, Sarah, thank you, one, just for sharing your story. I know I don't think you've have you done this before. No. So thank you for just being so open and honest and vulnerable. And I hope, you know, that hopefully your story is able to inspire. Well, I know it will inspire other people or someone that's maybe battling cancer um, heard this and, you know, was inspired by you. So thank you very much. We've got three rapid fire questions for you to end. Uh, the first one is... What is the best quote, or sorry, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received, or just like a favorite quote? It can be either or. Yeah, um, this might be basic, but I love the trust the process because I think when things happen, even if it's like a small little thing or a huge process like cancer treatment, like things are happening for a reason. And if you just trust that everything's going to work out and that you're going to learn from this and things are going to be better, I think it can make a bad situation feel okay even though it's not gonna feel good like it'll be okay and like you can trust that this whole thing that you're going through is is not going to be the worst thing in your life forever it's for a reason and that you're going to learn from it i think that was the key point that mm-hmm. like you know there's there's a fire, there's a silver lining to everything uh the second question this always stumps people or they get it right away um but no what, what's the uh if you could have dinner with anyone in the world that are alive like who would it be and why Oh, wow, this is tough. Oh, my gosh, I have no idea. Um, this is crazy. What do you, people usually say? Oh, my gosh, we've had people say... It's all over the place. Yeah. You know, like J. Cole, Gordon Ramsay, you got oh, Picasso. Guy, Philosoph- Guy Fieri, for sure. Guy Fieri. He's the best. I why? love him. Oh, my God, I love... Well, first of all, I love the Food Network. Like, all his yeah. shows are so good. And I think he's just, like, a great person. Like, he... He took in his um, sister. His sister passed away. He took in her son and, like, is now his parent figure. And I think he gives back so much. And I think he's just so cool. Like, look at his hair. Look at his <laughs> mustache. He's like, he's, got his goatee. I, did I didn't know that about Guy. I didn't know he was such a good guy. A good, oh, yeah. He's a good guy. Guy's a good guy. Lastly, just what, what do you like to do in your free time hobbies? Yeah, so I just moved out of town. So now I'm just, like getting to know my neighborhood and I love hanging out with my friends. I'm 
for sure retired. I do not play volleyball anymore, but I still like to like go to workout classes and be active. Um, so if we ever needed a sub for beach volleyball, yeah, I'm out on know. that. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's gonna be my next question. <laughs> yeah, we're looking slim on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. I love trying new restaurants and um just exploring the city. Um. I. Yes, I'd really like to do it all, whatever, except not play beach volleyball. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, thank you again, Sarah. We're going to log off here. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks.